have your Bible, turn to uh, the book of Joshua chapter 20, the book of Joshua chapter 20. And as you do, um, how many's ever done something before that you, you, you meant to say something different, but it came out a little different way? You, you like made a little mistake. Um, well, I, I recently saw this. These were ads that people put in the paper that, that did not come out exactly like the people thought they would. Okay, so here's the first one. This is in the paper, mind you. Here's the first one. Are you illiterate? Question mark. <laughs> Write in today for help. So then, if you're illiterate, he couldn't read, but, but he was, they put it in there anyway. Here we go. I love this. This is an ad um, for a, a place that pierced ears. He says, um, now is your chance to get your ears pierced and to get an extra pair to take home. I love that. So you want an extra pair of ears. This is for a sewing machine repair company. Uh, it says, we will oil your sewing machine and adjust tension in your home for a dollar. <laughs> it's a good dollar, right? Come, come adjust all this tension. Um, okay, I love this one. Wanted, man to take care of cow that does not smoke or drink. So it's a non-smoking, non-drinking cow. Um, this one, dog for sale. We'll eat anything, especially fond of children. Last but not least, this is my favorite. It says, for sale, antique desk, suitable for lady with thick legs and large drawers. <laughs> that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's, that's, that's all kinds of funny. <laughs> we probably should get to the Bible. Joshua chapter, Joshua chapter 20. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. God told his people in the book of Deuteronomy and Numbers, Moses was the leader at the time, and he says, Hey, Moses, whenever you begin to possess this promised land that I'm going to give you someday, I want you to set up six cities, and I want those cities to be special. I want these six cities to simply be called cities of refuge. And when someone is running for their life, whenever something has happened in their world that is causing people to chase after them, they're in a very bad legal situation. Someone's trying to kill them. There's a misunderstanding that's taking place. They're stressed out. They don't know where to go. And they're running for their life. I want you to set up these cities, these six cities, as cities of refuge. And in Joshua chapter 20, we see these cities being appointed. I want to show you a map of Israel during this time and show you what these cities were and where they were. These are the six cities of refuge, Kadesh, Golan, Ramoth, Shechem, Hebron, and Bezer. These cities were, were really unique because of their, first of all, their accessibility. They were, they were, Anywhere you were in Israel, you were never more than a few hours away from a city of refuge. If you notice, there's two in the north, two in the central part, and then two in the south. And it was in, in, the, in the middle, you have the Jordan River there, and it's, it's as if he was simply showing us that you would never have to cross some great divide. You would never have to go on some incredible journey 
to reach a city of refuge, but there would be accessibility to every single person in Israel to be able to have a place of refuge. And the next thing, that the, there, was, there was safety in the city of refuge. The moment you would step into the city of refuge, you would be protected. Regardless of your situation, regardless of what happened, the reason why you're running, the moment you stepped into that city, the one who was running after you had no power. The moment you stepped into that city, the one who was chasing you and how you were running for your life, the moment you got behind the gates of the city of refuge, you were immediately safe and no one could harm you as long as you stayed in the city of refuge. See, in the city of refuge, you could stay there. As long as you stayed in this city, you were safe and your, your case would be able to be heard by the elders and you would have the opportunity to be, to be heard and your case would be able to be dealt with in the city of refuge. I think this is such a beautiful truth in the Old Testament that's just a picture of God and His purpose and promise in our life because first of all, God knew that everyone, that we all need a refuge. God knew that we all need a refuge. We all need a place where we can go to. We all need a place where we can hide. We all need a space, regardless of how young we are or how old we are or where we are in our lives, there's moments where God knows we need some safe place where we can go to. Where whenever the walls get behind us, we know that it's going to be all right. We know it's going to be safe. We know whatever's chasing after us in our life, it's going to be okay. And I dedicate this message to somebody. If you could be honest, and if we could give you some truth serum here today, you would say, I'm running for, for, for my life. I feel like I have debt chasing me. I feel like I have relational issues chasing me. I'm, there's, if I feel like my world is crumbling around me, I don't know what to do. Do you know that our God... And his plan and purpose said to his people, I want you to establish some points of refuge because it doesn't surprise God whenever we face situations. It doesn't surprise God whenever you walk in this place with needs and I walk into this place with needs because God knew we would need a refuge along the way. And here's the second truth is simply this, that we all have a refuge. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, what is my refuge? We all need a refuge, and I'll say everybody in the world has a refuge. Everybody has a place where they go when they're stressed out, when they don't know what to do. Never everything around them is crumbling. Where do you get away? That's what I want to ask you a question. Where do you get away? Where do you retreat to when you get bad news? What in life do you look forward to the most? What puts a smile on your face more than anything else? think that could be your refuge. My two-year-old uh, Carter has a refuge. It's actually two refuges. One of them is called his blankie, and the other one is called his pacifier. <laughs> They're my pacifier. Pacifier. Where's my pacifier? While Kara was gone to ladies' conference, I lost the pacifier. It was a bad day. I said, we're going to go to a store. I'm going to make a pacifier. How do you forge, uh, you know, how do you forge rubber? We're going we're gonna to figure out a way. We're going to do something right now. Because he was not going to be comforted until he got his pacifier and his blanket. He's like lioness around the house right now. Uh, we looked at that blanket. It was covered in dirt the other day because he just had had it here at the church and, and on the asphalt outside and on, in the dirt. He had just, he, he wanted his blanket. That's what he loves. 
It, it, brings, him, uh, it, it brings him joy and peace. And, and, and it's funny whenever he's two, but the, but the reality is, is all of us have that in our lives, don't we? We all have things that we cling to, things, places that we go for safety. Um, maybe, maybe we run to buying something new whenever everything's going wrong. We say, if I can just buy something new, if I can just get a new this, a new that, a new car, a new house, new clothes, new something, then everything will be okay. Maybe, maybe it's food for us. Maybe you're an emotional eater whenever things aren't going wrong. Whenever things are going wrong, we, we turn to that. Or we, maybe it's money that we're just stressed out about, man, what can we do? How can we get more? How can we protect it? If I could just have more money, then that'll be okay. So we work harder, we strive longer, we stay away from our family more than we should. Maybe it's pornography, or maybe it has to do with our sexuality, that we, we say, man, if I could just turn to this release in my life, then, man, that's going to make all of my troubles, all of my problems go away. Maybe it's, maybe it's a bottle, or maybe it's a pill, maybe it's a prescription drug that we go to as a constant crutch for the problems of our life to try to forget it's a refuge for us maybe it's a smoke maybe it's a drink maybe it's our own mind where we say if I can just think myself through this situation I, I, that's a huge one for me I, I can worry and I can fret and I can try to figure out and I live in my mind how can I do that it becomes my refuge what do we run to for refuge Because I'll say anything other than God is a wrong refuge. Anything we run to other than Jesus Christ is a refuge that will only leave us distant from God, disappointed, and ultimately destroyed. Because God is our right refuge. God is our right refuge. God is the place that we go to whenever we're stressed out. God wants to be the place that we go to when our bills, we have more bills than we have money. God wants to be the place that we go to when our marriage is on the rocks. God wants to be the place that we go to when our kids are having trouble and there's situations at work. God says, don't go to this other refuge that you've created because it's so incomplete. Go to me. Come to me, Jesus said, all that are heavy laden, all that are weary. And he says, I will give you rest. Psalm chapter 46 and verse 1. I love this. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says, God is our refuge and strength. I really want that to be somebody's word today. God is our refuge. God is our strength. He is the place where we hide. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. He says, I want to be the refuge from the storm. We all watched the storm over the last few days that, that just pummeled um, the, our, our east coast. And I remember I was watching the other day um, someone that was, I think they were in, in Palm Bay or something, right in the middle of, of the thick of, of where it was getting hit in Florida. And they were coming, they were just... You know, people outside, isn't it so funny? They're like, you don't need to be outside, and these reporters are outside, you know? And they're, they, how many of those, that guy's the low man on the totem pole, you know? Yeah, I, laugh, I feel sorry for that guy. I'm like, where did they get him? They're about to fire him next week. They're like, man, let, let Jim go out there, you know? We're about to fire him. And he's out there, you know, blowing in the wind, you know? The sur- storm surge is coming up over us, Sally. You know, it's going to be okay, you know? And uh, I feel sorry for that guy that's out there in the middle, but... But there was this, there's this one news report that stuck out to me uh, because of how calm 
this, uh, this, this man was because whenever I saw Palm Bay, I used to live in Florida. I know exactly where Palm Bay is, and I knew they were getting hit, and he's just sitting there reading the news, and this is what's happening, and this is what the Doppler says. And, and where he was, he was in a hurricane headquarters. He was in this place, and then they began to describe how, how thick the building was and, and how this thing was built for the storm. So all these people on the outside, you know, they were about to get blown away. But these people on the inside were just sitting there in comfort. They were so just, they were calm because they were in a refuge that was built for the storm. Do you know that Jesus Christ is a refuge built for the storm? That everybody else outside of Jesus could be worried about what's going to happen in our government, worried about what's going to happen in our lives, worried about what's going to happen in our family. But you know what? God says, if you'll come inside of me, that i got a refuge that doesn't matter how much wind or waves comes your way, you can be safe. Do you know that? We win. <laughs> you know that? At the end of the day, if you're a believer, you win. You win. There's no worry. There's no fear at the end of the day. It's like Paul said, to live is Christ and to die. Hey, party too. It's game. Why? Because I have a refuge. Everything's going to be all right. I want to tell somebody that here today. Everything is going to be all right if you'll keep putting your trust, your faith in the refuge of Christ Jesus. So what happens whenever we... Get in the right refuge. It says it right there uh, in Psalm 43. He says, God is our refuge and strength. That's the first promise I want you to hold on to this week. That, that God wants to give you strength in the refuge. Strength is found in the refuge of God. Strength is found in the refuge of God. Maybe you feel powerless. Maybe you don't know what to do. You can find strength in the refuge of God. You can find strength in His name. Just the other day, we were having some bedtime stories at home with the boys, and uh, one of them brought me this book, The Little Engine That Could. <laughs> I mean, remember, it's The Little Engine That Could. You know, and all these, you know, these circus needed to get over the mountain, and, you know, their train broke down, and all of these other engines had all these excuses for why they couldn't do it. But, man, my boys loved the part where he said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could. And I'm reading that, you know, and I'm, you know, a preacher can turn about anything into an illustration. It's like life is just like a constant sermon illustration for me, just so you know. But, uh, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, oh, this is good. This is good. I think I can. But you know what happens whenever we get in the presence of God? Everything's going wrong. Everything's going bad. It feels like there's storming outside and there's a big mountain to climb. If you get in God's presence, I promise when you walk out of this place, if you've connected with him, you'll say, I think I can, think I can, and then it'll change. I know he could, I know he will, I know he will. And we walk out not confidence in ourselves, but we walk out with fresh strength and confidence in Almighty God. Why do we need to come to church? Why do we need to take time to be in the house of God? Because when you come in this place, you begin to get strength for life. You'll say, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, think I can. I know He will, I know He will, I know He will, I know He will. He's in control. He's in charge and He wants to give us strength. The second thing He promises, He says, He's a very present help. Next thing He promises is help. He wants to give us help. I, I love what the psalmist is saying there. It's like he's, He has trouble describing what He's trying to say. He's wanting to say God is a help. But he says he is a, he's, he's a present help. He's like, no, no, that's not even good enough. He says he is a very present help in times of trouble. 
In other words, he's as present as, as can be. That if you'll turn to God for help, he is as present as you could ever imagine. I got thinking about that this this week is that everywhere you go, your insides go with you. <laughs> your liver is very present in your body right now. <laughs> your heart is very present in your body right now. I didn't have to say, okay, liver, we're going to walk on this stage here in a couple minutes. Okay, are you ready, heart? Let's go. One, two, three. No, it's just there. It's present. God says, if you could imagine what's so present, it's never gone. It's always with you. God says, I am more present than anything else in your life. If you would just run to me, you don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till small group. Every single day, every single moment, are you facing something right now? You don't even have to wait to the end of this service in just your own heart. He's already there with you and just simply say, Jesus, I need you. The scripture says he is as close as the mention of his name. So you just say, Jesus, you just speak in your own mind and heart, Jesus. And I promise he'll be there because he wants to be your refuge. And then the last promise, he says, I will not fear though the earth gives way. In other words, though the earth, what my feet are standing on, it may feel like my health is just going out underneath me. It may feel like my family is just going out underneath me. Though the earth is giving way. And he says, if the mountains themselves are cast into the middle of the sea, I will have no fear. What a promise we have in God. What a promise where he says, you don't have to be afraid if you put your refuge in me. If you come to me for refuge, there's no fear. Though the earth is passing away. And I want to promise you something. The earth is passing away. I want to tell you the mountains, they are going into the midst of the sea. Because we live in a, in a, we live in a fallen world. And if you're waiting for perfection and everything to be okay on this side of heaven, it's never going to happen. That's why you have to put your anchor in another world. You have to put your anchor behind the veil, Christ Jesus. And say, you know what? Whatever happens out here happens. But I'm not anchored to this world. I'm not anchored to what happens in November in our election. I'm not anchored to what happens in my economy. I'm not anchored to what I'm anchored to Christ Jesus. And if everything else gives way, you know what? I'm not going to fear because I have a refuge that's greater than my storm. God is our right refuge. He wants to give strength, help, and we don't have to fear. I want to read on. I love this. In verse 4 of, of Joshua chapter 20, I want you to notice as I read this, notice the word them, they, or the word congregation. Simply says, he shall flee. This is the one running for their life. He shall flee to one of those cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place and he shall remain with them and if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give the manslayer into his hand. Because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. Verse 6. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment. Until the death of him who is high priest at the time, then the manslayer may return to his own town, his own home, and to the town from which he fled. So verse 7 and 8 begins to tell about the six cities that we looked at earlier that he began to establish. You want to do a Bible study that's really cool throughout the week. Go look up what those city names mean. 
And there's a picture of Jesus Christ, every one of them. One means holy, one of them means stable, one of them means a shoulder that you can stand. I mean, they're powerful. That's another sermon for another day, everybody. But he begins to tell them about this place. And the thing that I find so interesting is the them and the they and the congregation. What kept the people that ran to the city of refuge safe? There were no huge walls. These were not cities that were surrounded by moats and uh, security systems, security. Uh, security systems and you know it wasn't like the moment they stepped over the gate there was like all these trap doors that opened up and then there's all these alligators that began to come out you know and devour the one who was running after them no these were not huge fortified cities but what kept them safe were the people of the city what kept them safe God had established this refuge city But God knew if it was going to be carried out that the refuge would be in the hands of the people of the city. I want to tell you, I think the city of refuge is a picture of the church. I think it's a picture of the church that we're called to be. Number three, the church is a refuge. The church is a refuge. Not the building. Not four walls and a steeple. We don't even have a steeple, everybody. That's not the refuge. We had church in a middle school for 11 months. It's not the refuge. What's the refuge? It's people. It's whenever you walk into this place, whenever you walk into this family, there's a group of people that they stand with you and say, it's going to be all right. Ha, I pray we can be this kind of people. That whenever I can just see it in my mind's eye, there is someone running in the distance to this city of refuge. And there's this family of people, this special city, that they have a special calling that they're sitting there and say, hey, 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 somebody's running, somebody's coming. Hey, get get everything ready. Get get all the food ready. Get, Get some water. There's somebody coming. There's a runner on the way. And they're coming here to the refuge. They're coming here to the place. They're walking in this place. And God says, I want this special people to be a refuge for people that are running from God. The church is never meant to be a mausoleum for all the saved people. The church is always meant to be a hospital for the dead and dying people in our world where we can show them the new life that's found only in Jesus Christ. We don't just come to sing songs and talk through sermons so that we can know more just in ourselves. No, we are a hospital. This is a place where broken people can believe, belong, and become everything God has called them to be that this is what we're here for you you're, you're broken good you're in the right place this is a refuge there's no perfect people here we've all come here because we've been running from something along the way and we need almighty god's help to give us strength to give us hope to give us healing the church is a refuge i think that's what jesus was alluding to in matthew chapter 5 verse 14 speaking of the church he said that you are the light of the world you are a city that's been set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. What was that? These cities of refuge, many of them, they were, they were something that could be seen at a distance. He said, guys, if you understand what you are, you are a city of refuge for broken people to run inside 
and find safety. It's not some church door that makes them safe. It's this community of people that selflessly love God and selflessly love people with everything that they have. That's the refuge. We are a refuge. So what do we do? If we're going to remain a refuge, what, what do these cities of refuge have to do? I got thinking about that this week. There's some really unique things about the city of refuge as I studied it. First of all, we need to prepare the roads. In the Old Testament, you don't see God commanding the people to um, build roads to Jerusalem or build roads to these cities, except for the city of refuge. God tells them, I want you to prepare the path to the city of refuge. So, so it's as if this, if you were walking through Israel, you should have been able to see roads dispersed throughout the countryside that would lead you to Bezer or lead you to Hebron or lead you to these different places. Church, we can never have the attitude, well, if people want to come to God, they can just come to God. We got to be the kind of people that we will get out of ourselves, out of our own comfort, step out and build some roads for somebody else. It's not to say, well, people want to come to City Hills, they can come. No. Everywhere I go, how can I build roads? We're doing this series here in a few weeks at the movies. Say, why are you doing that? So we can build roads. That's it. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people far from God, period. Anything short of sin. Why? Because there's people out there that need a road built. There's people out there that are drowning in situations and running for their life. I feel like I see people every day just just questions and don't even know where to go and been hurt by the church. They don't even, they just burnt bridges. And God, let us be a place that prepares some roads. It's willing to go to a coworker that if he went to the cross for us, we can at least walk across the room and just invite somebody, just a little bit of a road. Well, if they want to come to my church, let them, let them find it out on my, no, no, my Facebook. No, you send them a message. You reach out to them. You get coffee with them. Build a road. Get out of your comfort zone and build a road. I want to challenge somebody to do that. Build a road. Get somebody here with you. Because we're a city of refuge. This is what we're called to be. Second thing is we have to open the gates. What would it be like if these people came to these cities of refuge and the gates are closed? There's nobody there looking for them. See, it wasn't this... You said it wasn't the physical gates that even kept them. It was this group of people that evidently people had to keep their eyes on the horizon. They had to make sure the city was ready. They had to make sure things were prepared. Why? Because somebody may need refuge today. That's why we every single week people come early. They stay late. They serve. They change babies' diapers. They roll out green carpet. We don't roll out the... Well, I guess in a couple weeks we're going to roll out the red carpet. We've been rolling out the green carpet here at City Hills. <laughs> Why do we do that? We don't have to do that. that. You don't have to do that. You can just turn on the lights five minutes before church and say, well, we're just going to have church today. Why are we doing? Why are we showing up early? Why are we staying late? Why are we serving? I commend those that are serving, that are getting involved. Why? What are you doing? You're making sure the gates stay open. 
in the middle of the heat whenever the air conditioner is not working. There's people here making sure the doors are open because they know somebody may be running today. And in the middle, in a few months, it's going to be snowing outside. And I promise you, there's going to be some people here coming here whenever, before the sun even shines. And they're going to be sitting up and tearing down and putting out heaters and getting hot chocolate and coffee ready. Why? Because we know that even in the middle of the winter time, there's going to be runners that are going to come on the way. And we're not just any city. This is a city of refuge. This is a place for broken people to run into and find Jesus Christ. So get connected. Get involved. There's no place in a city of refuge to just sit because we're, we are a city that's on the move for other people. Open the gates. Get involved. Find something to do. Get connected. Serve somewhere because you're part of a city of refuge. Everybody loves the concept. But not everybody loves the cost. My sons, they want a uh, dog right now. They want a dog, puppy. They love the concept of the puppy. <laughs> I know the cost of a puppy, everybody. <laughs> it's going to cost me some new furniture in the middle of the night getting up, right? All these things. You know what? Everybody loves the cost. Everybody loves the concept of, a, of being a church on the move and a, moving forward. Nobody wants to say, I want to be part of something dead. That's my goal. Yep, dead. Plucked up, dried up, dead. That's me, God. You know what? There's a cost involved. And I'll tell you what the cost is. It's uncomfortability. And I think I just may have invented that word right there. Your ability to be uncomfortable for the sake of someone that's running will make this place a city of refuge or not. Because here's the third thing we need to do. We need to make room. I got thinking this week, where would someone stay whenever they would come to the city of refuge? Where would they stay? The people that lived there had to make room. The people that lived in those cities had to say, hey, you can stay at my house tonight. Hey, you can take my spot. I'm willing to be uncomfortable so that someone else can find a place of refuge. So if church is always about you, and it's always about me, then we'll never be a place of refuge. But if you're willing to be uncomfortable, maybe show up a little early, maybe come to a nine o'clock service and or change times. I promise there'll be many more in the future of this church. There'll be many more changing times. And you'll say, I don't even know what time they're having it because, I mean, we're having to add all these services and nine, 11, three, five, six. What, what are we even doing? You know, how many? What is that? We'll do anything to make sure we have room for runners. Because God has room for us. I want to conclude by finishing this chapter and reading it. Verse 9 says, These were cities designated for all the people and for the strangers sojourning among them that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there so that they may not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. I want you to know God's refuge is for you. God's refuge is available for you today. If you need a refuge in Jesus Christ, He is here today and wants to be your refuge if you'll just surrender to Him. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you that you are our refuge. Thank you, Lord, that you've been my refuge through a lot of storms in life never been alone you've never failed me not one time 
haven't always understood everything. But God, when I look back, I realize you really are my refuge. Forgive me whenever I go to other things other than you. Jesus' name. 